0: You are listening to TLRStation.com.
1: Worldly Connections is all about bringing magic into your life. Janet Wizawadi, visionary coach and consultant, is on a mission to empower people to keep moving forward, have a vision, and trust that something good will come of it. Worldly Connections inspires listeners to live happy and be happy through the power of conversation and positive energy from Janet and other experts who believe that life is a team sport, and when you work together, miracles happen. And now, here is your host, Janet Wizawati.
2: Welcome to Worldly Connections on TLR Station, and I hope you're having an awesome day. It's wonderful here up in Aqaluit, where I'm working right now, and today I have a wonderful guest, Deborah Kaninski. And she has an amazing story that would seem like a fiction, except that it's her story. Real life happened to her. She's a survivor, uh, gone from victim to victorious. And I'm going to pass her on so that she can tell us her story and about her book, Purple Sky Survivalist, Victim to Survivalist. And welcome, Deborah. Thank you, Janet. Good morning. Okay. I just started, I, you know, I'm about halfway through your book. I didn't okay. get it all read, but I'm like, I know some of your story because I've known you for a while now, but right. uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know your childhood story. And, uh, we'll talk a little more about Paul, but I'm up where you're talking about Paul and, uh, how, how you worked with Paul. And I know a little bit of Paul's story now, but can you just share with us, like, what made you want to share this story and how did you survive some of this? Well, all of it, your childhood. (laughs) Uh,
0: I survived it, um, because of hope. And I shared it because of hope. I wanted, I shared my story because I wanted other people to know that even though your life to others may seem like fiction, in reality, it's not. And if you keep hope and share your story, then it's going to heal other people and put them on a journey so that they're able to thrive in life instead of merely surviving. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
2: I I know that in you talking to some of the places where you lived uh, and you moved around a lot, we moved around a lot as kids as well. And we had had some pretty interesting places that we lived but not to the extent that that you have how many times did you move as a child
0: i lost count at 33 i lost yeah the after 33 i honestly i just stopped counting i i had far greater concerns in life than re- trying to remember every hole in the wall country place that my parents moved us to <laughs> All without a population, usually of under less than a thousand, we we were on the run well, <laughs> a lot.
2: <laughs> okay, so on saying that, uh, I remember one of the places you lived was like in a shack out in the out in the boonies that okay. uh, you and your brother were left alone over Christmas because your dad took your mum away,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and so like how I, I have no idea how you guys survived.
0: Uh, well, it explains why I'm a little nutty, but we actually, for Christmas dinner, for Christmas dinner that year, we had a squirrel for dinner because, uh, there was no food in the house. We had, we were living in a house with no plumbing and no water and no electricity. We had built the house just before, uh, winter and I mean, in winters in Alberta are kind of like in a Calowit. <laughs> You know, they're, they're very harsh. And, um, we were, we were eight and 11 and we shot a squirrel out of a tree and, and had that for Christmas dinner. And we're thankful that we had food in our bellies.
2: Yeah, I guess. <laughs> now, when you were there, you were eight and yeah. you lived out in the boonies, like you said, out in the in the woods. Yes. Did you go to school then too? Cause I know you did go to school in some of the places.
0: I I probably did. I re- I honestly I don't remember. And even when I did go to school, uh it was very sporadic. Um my mother was battling mental illness and um it was it it was just not an option. I had to stay home and and either care for who needed to be cared for or I was sick, or I I just didn't go. School was not a priority.
2: Well, you, you've since educated yourself, and I know you did go to school. You, you've did. written this book, and, and you've done... Actually, this is the second, this is a revised version of your first book, is it not?
0: Yes. The first book was Her Story, Victim to Victorious, and that um, is a... Very raw depiction of the whole process of my life and how I thrived over uh, all of the abuse, trauma, and addictions that I was dealing with. And then um, I, I, did a, I was going to do a second edition, but it's now turned into a trilogy. So Purple Sky Survivalist, Growing Up a Victim of Illusions, is the first book in a, in a trilogy. And the this one um, is the journey of the first 20 years of my life and how I survived those first 20. Well,
2: uh, can you talk about your parents at all? Like, Because I'm sure there's some people that are going to think, well, this can't be real, and uh, that... In this day and age, because you're not all that old, that people's children could be really treated like this and isolated like this, but in reality, there are kids out there today, just like you were, are they not? wouldn't you think?
0: Absolutely. I think the statistics are are grossly skewed in in that aspect because uh the more I speak on my topics to the public the more women are coming up to me and saying you know thank you for coming out because hey guess what this also happened to me and i know it happened to this person and this person like not they're not giving me specifics but you know yeah. they they're com- like and the numbers are astronomically they're they're not they're not projecting what the numbers are and well I think for mm -hmm. sorry no I was
2: just going to say that um, with your father's history and your mother's mental illness history and Mm -hmm. in the work that I do um, as police dispatching we see a totally different world that the majority of people out there that have never experienced that haven't got a clue, like mental illness and um, gangs and, and things like that and jail terms and that are very real for, I, I think, of children all the time that are stuck in
0: this. It's true, but the funny thing is, Janet, is that my father was everyone's favourite uncle. Everyone, <laughs> all the the kids loved him, and unfortunately he had quite the appetite for young children. Mm.
2: That's the scary part, right?
0: That is the scary that, part. That,
2: that there are people
0: like that, and they do have charisma. Oh, yes, he, yes. They can turn the mm. pants off of anyone, literally. hmm Yeah. It's, but he it's, served
2: it's, time away as well, right? So um, he wasn't always around? Th-
0: he no he didn't spend he didn't spend time in jail uh except for when I was a young child the one incident that I know of oh, I, know I know my brother spent more time in jail than my father did um but he we he just kept us on the run so he mm. never spent the time we just ran <laughs> whenever someone would get wind of him being around that was it every when the animals started going that's when i knew it was time to go again yeah let's talk about the
2: animals because you said that <laughs> that's one of the saviors and i can remember growing up i my horse was everything to me like she uh she heard everything the tears and everything and and we had puppies my dad raised uh german shepherds and we always had puppies around so i can relate to that part but you had uh, quite a variety. I remember the story about, uh, all the dogs that your dad was looking after for somebody that you fell in love with. Blue. My dog blue. Yeah.
0: yeah. We had 56 dogs at that time. <laughs> 56. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It was, I mean, we always had animals. We always had, um, but not domesticated animals. We had an owl. We had a descended skunk. We had a red-tail hawk, a monkey, fifty-six dogs, goats, pigs—you name it. We had, <laughs> and animals were my savior because they didn't judge me. They didn't. They didn't objectify me. They didn't put me down. They. They just loved me back, and it was the only affection I was getting.
2: Wow. Yeah. It, it's. But you didn't have the animals when you moved to the city. How old were you when you moved to the city, 11?
0: Uh, We were, I was almost 11. Almost 11 when we moved to Edmonton. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Right. Tell us about your crowns. My crowns. I read a book on our move, um, King of the Dollhouse by Patricia Clapp, Uh, an amazing children's story. Uh, If you get a chance to read it, it's discontinued now, but Read it. It's about a little girl who um, her mother is going to work, and she is feeling left out of the world and neglected. And she meets these peanut butter babies and this king and queen in her dollhouse in her room. And of course, they're not really there. But she she befriends these imaginary friends. And time goes by, and she has to leave, or the king and queen have to leave. So it's time for her to grow up. And so they leave her, and when they leave, they leave her two Silver Crowns. And when I was 11, we moved into this new house in Edmonton that had the Pepto-Bismol pink bedroom, the most girly-girlest bedroom in the world. And I was drawn to it because I was essentially a little boy uh, growing up in my brother's hand-me-downs and whatnot and so to have this Pepnobismal room I was thrilled so I went over to a grate and I pulled it out of the floor I'm not sure why just childish curiosity and when I looked inside I put my hand in and I pulled out two silver crowns (laughs) I, I get emotional because I still have one And it just, it gave me hope that something better was about to come. And not shortly after that, something very, very special entered my life. Someone very, very special entered my love. My life, my love and my life. The first time I felt love. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Anyway.
2: (laughs) On that note... We're yes. going to take a short break because then I want, to, <clears throat> I want to go into that second part where you met somebody special that helped you on that journey. We'll, we'll end this half on that. And when we come back to Worldly Connections for the second half, we're going to talk about that special person.
1: Need to book an appointment with a holistic health provider or find resources and products in Edmonton and surrounding area? Not exactly quite sure who to contact? Or where to begin your search? Your Holistic Earth is the only online holistic marketplace that connects people like you who need help to the holistic health practitioners who provide a complete range of professional services and products. Look no further. Your Holistic Earth is your online holistic marketplace for a healthier and happier you. For everything holistic, visit yourholisticearth.ca. That's yourholisticearth.ca.
2: Welcome back to the second half of Worldly Connections, where we're speaking with Deborah Koninsky about her second book. It's called Purple Sky Survivalist, Growing Up a Victim of Illusion. And we were before the break, we were talking about her many moves, and her moving into the city and finding two crowns. And then she sort of told us that there was a special person that came into her life about that time. And now she's going to tell us about it. Well, Deborah,
0: <laughs> My parents somehow became foster parents. And I met a young 18-month-old boy uh, named Paul. And Paul had cerebral palsy and epilepsy and um, had some genetic complications. But he had the biggest blue eyes I had ever seen. And he looked into my eyes and I looked into his eyes and it was instant connection and um, instant love and unconditional love. And it was the first time yeah, I, I... I I had felt that spark of love from humans. (laughs) How old were you? I was 11. I was 11. And what did you end up? Pardon me? You ended up taking care of him, didn't you? I did. My mother, my mother, I mean, she, she did in the beginning, she taught me how to take care of a child because other than raising myself, I, I wasn't. I didn't know how to raise children or change diapers or anything like that. So I, I she did step up to the plate at that time and um, showed me the essentials on how to do those things. But it didn't take long for her mental illness and her addictions to... Um, overtake her and send her back to either the psychiatric ward or her bedroom or wherever else wasn't there to take care of the children that she was bringing in. And I mean, Paul was not the only child. There were various children of one child was two days old with um, Down syndrome or fetal alcohol syndrome, sorry, that had come into our home. They all had special needs, and I cared for all of them.
2: Wow, and and the thing is, is Paul wasn't expected to survive, was he?
0: Um, he he was not really expected to survive very long. Um, with the prognosis, we were told to give him quality of life because quantity probably wasn't an option. And I just didn't understand if they wanted him to have quality of life, why they were bringing him to my parents. <laughs> I, I didn't understand <laughs> that. But fortunately, um, I had hope in my heart of something bigger and better than what I was surviving in. And, um, and he helped me express that and, and teach taught me how to love
2: yeah, and that's uh, something that took you to another journey. Mm-hmm. Who looked after Paul when you went to school? Because you, during that time, were still in school as well, weren't you? Did you?
0: Uh, uh, school was once again not a priority. I was very, very bullied at school. I was small for my age. Uh, I was taunted with being told I smelt like pee and. Um, I wore my brother's hand-me-downs, so they were already scuffed and dirty, and I mean, I was was an unclean, unloved, unwanted child that didn't have nurturing, so school was, you know, I I could experience the bullying at home because it was what I was used to, but going to school Mm -hmm. and having my peers reaffirm that for me, I, I stayed away. And having Paul there gave me an excuse to stay away.
2: What about the school? Um, well, I know that, that my son as a teenager got mad at us one time and ran away. And we got called into the school by the school psychologist and wanting us to know what we were doing about it and stuff. And were there not people that were there for you, wondering why you weren't at school, checking on your home life? Was there
0: nobody? Nobody. I was alone.
2: You know, in this day and age, that really surprises me because we hear so much in the news about uh, the social workers and about child and family services. Absolutely. And and yet something like yourself growing up like you did and yet and children that uh, had uh, health problems and that being put into a home like your parents' home mm-hmm. is quite actually quite Disturbing. shocking, isn't it? It's disturbing. Yeah, that's what, yeah. So it they is. were blessed to have you. They they. So what uh, they were
0: blessed. I was blessed to have them. I but honestly. Paul stayed I, with he, you. Pardon me.
2: Paul stayed with you, didn't
0: he? Paul stayed with me. I I took care of Paul almost essentially until he was sixteen years old. And uh, at this time. point, he's he's just celebrated uh, his 39th birthday. In June. Wow. Right. What about the other kids? Did
2: they stay long or is Paul the longest that stayed?
0: Paul is the only one who stayed uh, with my family. The rest, um, their needs were just far too great and um, got placed in forever homes with other people. And of course, I was a child living an adult's life, but no one no one considered me an adult, so I was not given any information. They were just like my animals. They were just gone.
2: Mhm, yeah, what else can you tell us about that time that might help people who were going you know even adult uh adults that like you grew up in households that didn't have that nurturing in that, that may be struggling now because you've come through it. And I know that you've had your own struggles uh, through your adult life to a certain point. What, can you talk a little bit to that and how people can get past that? What should, what changed you? What, what got you, because I know you went into abusive situations as well, which yes. is a, I don't know, answer,
0: learned behavior. Like that's all you knew, right? It's all I knew. And to me, pain equaled love. And as long as I was hurting, someone loved me.
2: But that switched now.
0: Absolutely. Well, at the age of 39, I just, instead of going down the road of prostitution, I decided to go back to college with a grade nine Mm. education. And uh, that was probably the the best decision I ever made because I I took mental health rehabilitation and um came out 3 years later with uh, an honors in the in the program. So there there's you're such an inspiration
2: hope. to yeah, but there's, there's inspiration there, right? That you can you can change your life. People can change their lives, but but it takes somebody, I believe, to help switch that, to to flip that switch. Who was it for you?
0: I had a pimp sing me a song about how much money I was going to make him, and that switched <laughs> and, my attitude. <laughs> so we can
2: have like the positive switch or the negative switch, right? It's like right. Uh, that was yeah. my turning
0: point. That was the point where I said I cannot live this life, mm-hmm. and. Um, I chose not to go down that road, Um, even though it was probably the road I was meant, I I mean, it was the road I was groomed to be on, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, but it was definitely not the road I wanted to go down to support my children, and at that point, that's what I would have been doing it for, was to protect my children and to to feed them, and... Mm -hmm. That he's, as I said, he sang me this song, and that was my breaking point. I was like, Nope, I'm just gonna wait this out. And you know, when I did that, the universe said, Hey, Deborah, we have a present for you. And my funding came through a week and a half later to get into school.
2: So, what would your message be to somebody else in that? Because you had two children by then right and you've got two sons I do what was what would you recommend what would your advice be to to the younger you that might be out there in your position uh where you were and yeah give them some some hope and some how they can take those steps to changing that maybe how they can get in touch with you because I know that you have that caring heart and you want to help others get to where you are Can you share that a little bit with us?
0: My recommendation to anyone and everyone who has suffered abuse or trauma or addictions is speak out and keep hope and remember that you're not alone and you do matter and you deserve the abundance that the universe is ready to give you when you are ready to accept it that's my advice. And, but in that,
2: that, mm-hmm. that's advice, but where, what steps did you take? Cause you said funding came through. So obviously you had something else you had to do because we need to take action, right? We need to take right. our own action steps.
0: I, I, I decided I was helping some this, a lady who was going to school uh, do her homework and I, I had tried going to school once before, and I think education is important because it, it can help you find the passions that, that are hidden. I didn't, and going back to school as an adult, for me, it was such a different experience. I wasn't bullied. I was accepted, and I was mentoring other students. People were saying, hey, you're smart. It was the first time I was told I was smart. So I think we need to find the, that support system that's going to build mm-hmm. us up and, and help us to share whatever incidents it, they are that have happened to us.
2: And keep asking questions and searching, right? And not giving yes. up. Yes. Never give
0: up. Never give up.
2: How can somebody find you? Just go to your website. Uh, I know that's how to get your, your is your book out uh, on Amazon? My how book is on
0: it? Amazon uh, and it's on Amazon um, worldwide. And uh, it's also available in paperback on CreateSpace. Mm-hmm. And um, it will be available in the next day or two on Amazon in, in paperback as well. So I'm really excited about that. And my Wonderful. website as well. It's available on my website. And that's
2: deborahkoninski.com. So D-E-B-O-R-A-H and then K-I-N-I-S-K-Y.com, correct? That's correct.
0: And you've got a Facebook page? I do. Deborah Kaninsky slash Her Story Victim to Victorious, as well as a Deborah Kaninsky author page on Facebook. Good. Yeah. well Deborah the
2: time has seems to just flown i I don't know where it went but <laughs> <Me neither>. uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story and and hopefully it will help some other people maybe step out of their pain and uh, into victory like yourself Absolutely. and to find the world that's waiting for them so thank you again for being my guest.
0: Well thank you Janet for spreading the message of love and acceptance with people through your through your kind heart. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today.
1: Are you interested in appearing on Worldly Connections? Ready to work together and make miracles happen? Then Janet wants to hear from you. Contact her at Janet at FamilyConnect.com That's Janet at Connect, spelled C-O-N-N-E-K-T dot com Thanks for listening and have a great day. Tune in next week same day and time.